Well, the reason I am wearing camo is because I want to talk to you about an opportunity that we have coming up on January 27th for you to guys to come to our Destiny Boot Camp. So it's going to be a really exciting time. Before I tell you more about that, though, I want to tell you a little bit more about why I am so excited about boot camp. You know, every year at the first of the year, we go through our Destiny 5 core values. And this week, the core value that we're focusing on is passionately pursuing God. And we have um, one of our daughters who is very passionate about books and movies. You never have to worry about what to get the girl for Christmas or a birthday because she has a list a mile long of books and movies that she wants. Now, when I was a kid, if I opened a Christmas present, it was clothes or a book, I'd say, eh, okay, here, pass this one up. Where are the toys? But not her. You give her a book and she just, oh my goodness, a book. She is just so excited. And she loves books and movies of all kinds, but the ones that she's most passionate about are superhero books and movies. So because one family member loves superhero movies, that means the rest of the family has to be subjected to these superhero movies, whether or not we like them. I hear some people who actually like them. So, I have seen a lot of superhero movies now, not that I'm an expert on superheroes, but I have now watched a lot of these movies. And I noticed something, a theme in these movies. These superheroes, now whether or not they got their power, they were born with it, or maybe they were exposed to radiation, or maybe they swallowed a spider, or whatever it was that made them have their superpowers, they have to learn to use them. They just, it just doesn't come naturally. So I've watched a lot of these X-Men movies. And you know, the X-Men, they're all out at this school out in the middle of nowhere. And they've got this mentor. And he's helping them learn how to focus on their skills and not be distracted and really develop their skills so that they can use their superpowers. And then it just seems like all of them are growing, learning how to use their superpowers. And then some, and each one's unique. Nobody's the same. And then some evil thing happens in the world. And then they all come together. And each one in their little unique superpower, they team up as a team. And they go and they conquer the evil. And as I start watching these movies, I start realizing, man, there is like a real spiritual reality here that we all have superpowers. We are children of the Most High King, and we don't know necessarily how to walk in that authority and walk in that power. And so we need the mentors and the school to come help us teach and learn how to develop our superpowers in God. But I feel like we're just all kind of distracted with our everyday lives and Facebook and Instagram and the laundry and all those things that, you know, work, all that stuff that um, has to happen, but also it's just a distraction. And so we don't spend our time passionately pursuing, really learning about the power that God has for us that will really help us conquer and change our world. 
So I don't know about you, but I work with a lot of lost people. And we are in Oklahoma, which is the buckle of the Bible Belt. You can't hardly drive down the street for a mile, and there is a church on every corner. It's really true. And so when I'm encountering these lost people at work and I'm trying to talk to them about God, the, their response is usually the same. You know, this is Oklahoma, and 90% of people are going to tell you that they're a Christian, whether or not they really are a Christian. And 99% of the people you talk to, even if they aren't a Christian, even if they're an atheist, they've heard the gospel message. They've probably been to church. They, even if it was just as a kid, they, they know about God, but it's actually a bigger obstacle, I think, that they know about God and they've heard these things because then they're like, yeah, I've been to church, but, you know, there, I really didn't find anything there that was for me. And so they just don't go to church. And it just grieves me that... To me, it's because we as Christians, we're not doing a very good job letting the power of God really be in our lives. We're not passionately pursuing God, and so they don't see any power, and so they don't see any need, because why do they need that? And I just want us all to have our lights shining for Jesus, and I feel like we have these little bitty candles that we have lit in our lighthouses, and people are like, yeah, I think I see a light there. Maybe not sure. And God really wants to come in and give us the electricity. He wants to turn on the big lights. And what that requires, you know what electricity requires? It requires that you plug in. And so for us to get plugged in, we really have to spend time with Jesus so we can be plugged in, so we have those bright lights shining. And I really believe that as we spend more time with Jesus, that we will be a brighter light. So we will have that faith deep in our hearts so that when people are at work and they're sick, we can, like, we really believe God can heal them, and so we pray for them, and somebody at work gets healed because we pray for them, and they're like, wow, and everybody in the office is like, wow, I need to know about that God that healed that person, and maybe somebody at your office is having a meltdown, and they won't tell you why, and you're like, well, I'm going to pray for you, and so you pray for them, and you go home, and God wakes you up in the middle of the night, and he starts talking to you about different things that you should be praying for this person, and you go back the next day, and you say, you know, I prayed for you, and these are the things that I was praying for you, and their jaw hits the floor, because those are the things that they're really needing in life. But that requires us to be plugged in. It requires us to spend time with God and his word. That requires us to spend time with Jesus. But just think about what your office, how different your workplace would be, how different our city would be if we all did those things, if we really spent that time 
I want you to look just for, um, it's, a, it's a long story, so I'm not going to give you the whole thing. But in Acts 3 and 4, there is an amazing story about Peter. Now, I know that Peter messed up a lot, but he also was very passionate. Now, some of his passion may have been misdirected at times, but he was very passionate, and he spent a lot of time with Jesus. And there's one verse that I really want to draw your attention to, and that's Acts 4.13. And it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And it's that they took note, the whole city took note that these men had been with Jesus. Because if I back up and tell you the whole story here, it's that Peter, the prior day, had been going to the synagogue, and there was a man who was lame there, and he had been there for 40 years. So, of course, the whole city has been passing by, seeing this lame man there 40 years, and he's asking Peter for money. And Peter says, and I can't hardly say what Peter says without reflecting back on my childhood of Peter being on the felt board. You know, I know you could, like, you're, it's probably the grandparents that would know what I'm talking about if you went to children's church and you know what a felt board is. So Peter's on the felt board. I, sorry, I'm very old. We, we had felt boards. We sang Kumbaya. It's no joke. Like, that's how old I am. So when, so I, all I can hear in my head is the, this song that we used to sing when I was in children's church that when Peter, when this man's asking Peter for money, we used to sing this song, and it said, silver and gold have I none, and then you clap, 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 but such as I have give I thee, clap, clap, in the name of Jesus Christ, clap, clap, of, um, rise up and walk. So that, that's what goes through my head, so I can't hardly even tell you what he said without reflecting back on my childhood memories of this crazy song and the clapping. But so so he tells this man, I don't have any money to give you, but rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he does. He's, he, I mean, he's not just a little lame. People had to carry him there every day. He gets up. He walks. People are amazed. They're freaking out that this man is walking. And so now they start following Peter around. So Peter takes the opportunity, and he just goes to the edge of the porch there, and he starts preaching a sermon about the power of Jesus, and look at this man, and this is what Jesus can do for you. And it says that 5,000 people believed in God because of the one healing that happened. Now, what do you think would happen in Oklahoma City or in our world, like, you know, somebody famous that gets, you know, is gets healed like this. And I just look at that, and I'm just like so excited. So what did they do? They arrest Peter because he's making such a ruckus, and he's saying that this happened in Jesus' name, and they don't like that. So they arrest him, and the next day, he goes in front of the council, and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he spoke this 
eloquent message to the council about Jesus, and it was so amazing what he spoke to them. And then we get to the, the 13th verse that I, was, that I already read to you. But I'm going to read it again. So it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. And because of that, 5,000 people believed, and the council was like, well, what do we do with these people that we arrested? We can't just keep them. And it says, because of the people, all of them believed in God, and they had to let them go. They scolded them and said, okay, we've got to let you go because everybody now believes in Jesus because of this miracle. So I just look at that and think, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need those things to be happening now. That happened 2,000 years ago, but God is the same. And in 2018, in this year of flourishing, we need that to be happening in our city, but it's going to require that we are passionately pursuing God. It's going to require that we are spending time with Jesus. People are going to take note of things in our lives. They're going to take note that we've spent time with Jesus. So I want to tell you a little story about something that happened last week from a leader in our church sent me and Lawrence this text and said, will you please pray for my son and his wife? They're having some marital struggles. And then like the next day or two days later, she sends us this text message. And it says, God is doing some amazing things in my son and daughter-in-law's marriage. He woke me up yesterday morning at 4 a.m. And I was in intercessory prayer for them in my sleep. I laid in bed for 30 minutes praying. Oops, sorry, new phone. Uh, and was in intercessory prayer for them. And, but God began downloading um, wisdom and information so fast that I got up and I started writing everything down. God showed me that my daughter-in-law's brokenness as a little girl, and I was to cover her in love and forgiveness. He showed me that my son was a mighty man of valor, and I was to be a tower of strength to him. He told me to give my son Psalms 91. When I shared this information with him, he began to sob and confirm that God was dealing with him in the same manner. They're going to marriage counseling tomorrow. Thank you um, for your continued prayers and response and support, God is teaching me how love conquers all. And my question to you is, how will our world look different if we are all passionately spending time with Jesus? Are you willing to spend the time in his word? Are you willing to spend time in prayer? Are you willing to be awakened 
at 4 a.m. and get a big download that you're willing to share with, step out and share with people so that people's lives are changed. Now, you may be saying, well, I don't really know how to spend time in his word. I don't really know how to do those things that you're saying to really get plugged in. And that's why I want you guys to prioritize right on your calendar. And not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday on January 27th, I want you all to be here to hear Steve Uppel. He's coming in. He's from Wolverhampton, England. And yes, he has an accent, and you'll have to muddle through that. But he is the most amazing speaker, and he has such a great heart and depth in his life for prayer and the word. And I want you guys just to be here. It's for three hours he's going to pour into us from nine to noon on that Saturday morning. And you will learn so much. You will be imparted to. You, you're, you will increase your passion for God. And you will really learn like those X-Men went to that school and had a mentor. We all need that. And so I really want to encourage you to be here for that. And we have other things coming up here at Destiny to really help encourage you in your passionate walk with God, including a worship night in February. So if you'll turn your attention to the screens, um, here's a few more things that are happening here at Destiny. Have you ever wondered if water baptism is really all that important? In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus starts his ministry by being baptized in water. Then in Matthew 28, we read where he commands his disciples to do the same. Obviously, water baptism is very important to Jesus, and we should never minimize what Jesus emphasizes. When Jesus points to something, he's always pointing to something more. Think about this. When God was pronouncing judgment on unrighteousness and wickedness that was warring against God's kingdom in Noah's day, he flooded the earth with water. When the Israelites came out of the bondage of Egypt, the first thing they did was they passed through water. They went through the Red Sea and everything that had held them captive prior to that in their generation and in previous generations was destroyed that day in the water. This speaks of our coming out of the bondage of the world system and passing through the water, being baptized in water, where we actually identify by going under the water with the death and burial of Jesus Christ, and then coming up, identifying with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that becomes a mighty weapon in the hand of God when we engage our faith. And God then serves notice on wickedness and unrighteousness and all of the entanglement with the world system from our previous life. I believe it's also important to note that the Israelites passed through the water a second time as they went through the River Jordan into a greater place of promise. Maybe today you need to identify with Christ and be baptized, publicly expressing your relationship with the Lord and declaring that your past is over and your future is alive. Maybe today you need to identify with a greater understanding of what this is all about as you embrace a revelation of God's promises in this next season of your life. Have you been scripturally baptized? Have members of your family been scripturally baptized? If not, then take a moment and get signed up today. You may not be able to start over, but don't let anybody tell you you can never start again.
Tracy didn't just give us a lengthy commercial for uh, an event. Um, she's really bringing an impartation. And I had asked her to help bring today whatever was in her heart. She's been praying and asking the Holy Spirit just to stir some things about what it is to passionately pursue the Lord. Um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit was actually telling me that she was going to plow some ground to prepare the soil for some seed that I'm about to impart to you that I've actually carried back from an experience that I've had this past week that was incredibly impacting. And so I want to kind of walk through that, but I want you to really have an open heart to everything God wants to do in us uh, today and, and understand, the, if you'll pass your books down if you've not already, take out those note cards on the back, it's the list of what's happening at Destiny. It's the water baptism and worship night, and if you've not, uh, if you feel the Lord directing you in a, a place of, of, again, this is all part about releasing the superpower, if you will, but really helping us just to be the supernatural people God's called us to be. But maybe passing through those baptismal waters is something God's stirring in your heart to take you to another dimension. The plan of God is to impact and transform the world by gathering us together as His family, His sons and daughters. So you'll see the Welcome to the Family Luncheon. That's the result of 40 days of gathering in our community groups, talking through core values, which we will do this week for passionately pursuing. And I invite you to take steps forward in the call of God in your life so that we can fulfill everything He has called us to fulfill together. You have this amazing ability to be passionate about things. Do, do you understand that? You are given a gift from God with the capacity to become passionate about things. I, uh, my, my older sister, Laura, who will be sitting over here to my left in the second service, that's uh, her normal chair, uh, but she, she's two and a half years older than I am, so, you know, when I was seven, she was nine, about to turn ten type of thing, and I remember as a kid, I mean, I just irritated her all the time. How many of you know little brother syndrome is just like a spiritual gift as well? And so I had this spiritual gift operating, and she would get so irritated, and she would, there were times, and I remember one time in specifically that I made her so angry that it was game over. She wanted to snuff me out, and she was coming my way. And I knew, like, you are in trouble when big sis comes at you, like the look on her face. But, but when she did, we were at school, and, and somebody came up behind me that was trying to start a fight with me and punched me. They sucker punched me. She's trying to kill me from this side. Somebody sucker punches me from this side. And the fact is, the person who punched me actually probably saved my life because she was passionate about killing me until somebody messed with her little brother. And then like her whole passion changed. Isn't that funny? I was just so thankful. And I, I really, I handed up, oh, it hurts so bad, get him, you know, she went over. Anyway, we weren't very Christian in those uh, times, but, but th this, it was just crazy. She had this crazy passion and then all of a sudden that passion was enlarged to a greater objective, something bigger, more important. Listen, you have the ability to get very passionate about something, and God wants to get involved and engaged in your passion to broaden it to something bigger than just settling for the basic passion. Come on, clap it in and declare it today in agreement. Be passionate about what God's wanting to download. He's taking us into deeper places. 
When we're in here in worship, listen, I have a conviction that, that when, when we're in worship, I'm going to lift my hands because I am here to passionately release a champion spirit on the people in this room. I'm not just here to hear the song. God wants to broaden it to a bigger passion. Whenever I hear a sense of, of, of a celebration moment, I'm going to clap my hands as loud as anybody to hiss the enemy away, Job chapter 27. I want to be passionate about what God's called us to do as a family, and I want to invite you on that journey that we would awaken some things within our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to stir that within us. I've been to people's houses and I know what it is. Listen, your ability to be passionate, it's very obvious and your ability for your passion to be enlarged is very uh, true. And I have been there knocking on the door. As soon as I go to knock on the door, I hear screaming and yelling going on on the other side of the house. Simultaneously as my hand goes, then all of a sudden I happen to be in the wrong place at the right time and I hear, shut your mouth get your things out of here I told you to clean up this house the door opens oh hi pastor so good to see you right and they're all passionate about getting the house cleaned up and then they're all passionate about making sure the presentation's right because the pastor showed up at the house you've got this ability to enlarge your passion beyond your capacity to see a frustrating situation in that moment if you will allow yourself to go there will you go there God wants to help us go there. God's always trying to awaken the bigger picture. And I want you to hear this as I say. No matter how far you've gone with God, you've, you, all of us in this room, different places, different stages in our faith, our relationship with the Lord, no matter how far you've gone with God, He is God, there is more, keep going deeper. He wants to take us deeper into the treasures of God. But we have to recognize and understand we were not born for our pleasure. We were born for God's purposes. That's your first blank if you'll fill that in. It's a really important statement because we live in a world that tries to cater to our pleasure all the time. We were not born for our pleasure. We were born for God's purposes. So in a time when we're trying to uh, you know, I, I mean, I was thinking about this. We're bringing in this international speaker. Um, this Steve Upple is not just like a guy that's a friend. Like, do, have you heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Like, history books will be written, and they will reference Reinhard Bonnke and what he's done in our generation of the church as he's led more than a million people to Jesus in the continent of Africa. Uh, Steve Upple is on his board. This is Reinhard Bonnke's, if you could put that picture up. This is his farewell tour in Africa as he is there, and, and all of these people showed up, this incredible crowd showed up, and Steve Upple's sitting up there on that platform behind uh, Reinhardt as a part of his farewell tour. He's connected and, and aligned with some major ministry gifts, and, and I'm, I'm simply saying that to say to you, it's really important that we recognize when God actually positions ministry gifts of that magnitude to be right here in this place, it's really important that we understand, like he's trying to prepare us in the training room, the mentors that Tracy, that illustration, with some pretty major trainers and equippers, guys that are overseeing phenomenal ministry expressions all over the world, and he's going to be right here with us. And so I want you to put a demand on him, and let's agree for God to really bring impartation like Paul did into Timothy in that time that he's here. And I started, I started thinking about this because you can't just fly somebody in from England and, and you know, uh, that, that's just like free, that 
that we've got to make sure we take care of him, and we're trying to build the kids' area. And I, I was thinking about that this morning, and, and I, next week I'll give you a, a good report on where we are in the kids' area, but just a toss to that. Uh, you know, we were needing that extra 5000 to finish the 55000 funding for the electrical, rough uh, electrical the next was a big chunk of a 50,000 number. And, um, and like the week after I mentioned needing that five grand, one family donated $5,000 to finish that. And then I was looking at the records and we're like more than 30,000 funded now to the next $50,000 objective. Will you just help me thank the Lord for his provision and thank the people who are sacrificially giving. We are going to get there. And in a time when we're really needing to get that finished, I mean, then we're like paying to bring this guy in and we want to, I just want to ask you, just show up on that weekend because we don't pass plates. Show up on that weekend, prepare to go to that giving station and make a deposit because when you give into that kind of gift, it leaves your hand, but it doesn't leave your life and it produces a harvest in you. And so we want to walk this out passionately before the Lord our God. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. I'm, I'm just declaring this over you in a year of flourishing you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail the provision of the Lord will prevail in your life in your anointing in your in the words that God will give you in the strength that he will provide in the health in your body there's been a wave of sickness across this land I'm declaring there's a wave of healing coming across this land in Jesus name come on the waters will never fail the power of God can be demonstrated in a profound and powerful way but we have to stir up our passion to pursue God and his plans and that's your next blank this is the focus of the handout for the group so it's important that I give you these before we conclude and, and that's the last blank by the way stir up your passion to pursue God and his plans for your life it's never too late to be what you might have been so the Bible uses this incredible analogy, and, and there are three I've been reflecting on this this week. It's the farmer, the athlete, uh, farmer, athlete, and the soldier. In the New Testament, Christians are likened to farmers, athletes, and soldiers. All of those, farmers, athletes, and soldiers, they all require diligent preparation for purposeful advancement. This is who we are. And I believe God revealed this in Scripture in this regard. We need to be diligent in preparation and purposeful in our advancement. You just need to understand your body is not saved. How many of you know your body is not saved? Your body is going to die. Your spirit is saved. When you come to know Christ, your spirit that was dead comes alive and your spirit is fully saved. Your body is never saved. And your mind, your soul is in the process of being saved. It's really important that we get our mind right. Nothing will stop you if your thinking is right. Nothing will help you if your thinking is wrong. Really important that we get our minds right. But we don't get our minds right unless we stay true in the Word and allow God to keep waking things up within us and we set our minds on the things of God. And how many of you know, when you set your mind on the things of God, things in your life can begin to change. Things in your life can begin to change. Last week, I was with, um, I spent the whole week there with Freedom Christian Center. Here's a picture of them. 
uh, of the service and the pastor's wife, Christy. Some of you will know Tony and Christy Swillam. Uh, 20 years ago, they were pastors here on staff, and that's her on the keyboard with a hand up. The guy on the left on the drums over there, his name's Dominic. He's their uh, younger, youngest son. He was born when, when he was here. He's 21 years old now. And the girl on the guitar to the right, she was not a thought in their mind uh, when they were here. She was a surprise about 18 years ago, 17 years ago. She's a senior in high school now. Uh, and so great family. You can, you can bring the picture down. I want to just tell you a little bit of kind of what went on in this. This is a church that has something called a dream center. Ever heard of the dream center in LA where they take people in off skid row? And I mean, the broken of the most broken people find their way into the dream center. Well, that's Tony's heart. Those of you who know who he was when he was here, he's the guy who started Master's Commission. And uh, just really amazing guy, was a Marine. And so he just, that's kind of his mode of ministry and intense. And, and, uh, and so they have these 60 students enrolled in their dream center. And and it was really wild, my just getting to know them. I ate lunch with them in their dorm area and just kind of hung out with them. I did, I mean, they, they wore me out. I spoke for three hours every morning to start the day. And then, uh, that's with all their students. And then in the afternoon, I did three hours of leadership sessions every day. And then every night, I spoke evening rally services. And so I came home and took a good nap. But, but in, the, in the time with those students, just being in there and having lunch, sitting around the table, I, I met some really, like one guy had just gotten out of jail, one solid muscle, huge guy, 20 years in prison for murder. And we're having lunch together, just talking about what it is for him to come to a knowledge that God actually loves him and will transform his life. And I mean, just incredible. This girl, in, in one morning, she was praying so powerfully. I went over to her and I said, girl, if you could travel when I go and speak and open with prayer, I think I would preach from a whole other place. And she was just so excited that the, the pastor in town, you know, encouraged her. And she hugged me and was so sweet. And, and, and I mean, just really impacted me and, and I think reciprocally. And, and I got in the car and Pastor Tony said, you know, that girl is just hugging you. She took an ice pick and stabbed her boyfriend 27 times. She just got out of jail. It's like, man, there's some people up here. <laughs> I don't want to make anybody mad, but I mean, it was amazing. Those people haven't had Christmas. They're homeless people that they've taken in. Uh, they, most of them had never had a Christmas. They, they take them out for Christmas to a movie theater, and Pastor Tony said he was really sad for everybody that was in the theater when those guys show up, because like 60, can you imagine 60 people coming in there taking most of the seats? And he said, like, when any of their friends would go to the bathroom and they would come back, they would all be cheering because they were back and, like, totally messing up the movie. For the, they were just having a blast, you know, and nobody's going to mess with them. They got ice picked. No, they don't. But, I mean, you know, just that whole, that's like, this is a crazy atmosphere. And, and, uh, and they did something so cool because this was their Christmas thing. And, and, again, most of them never had any Christmas presents. And when they bring them back to the dorms, uh, they had a part of the staff helping put gifts on their beds in the bunks. And the, the people would come in and open their gifts. And this one gift that a, a guy named Chris got was the shirt I have on. And while I was there, he came up and he gave me the shirt. And he said, uh, you know, God told me to give you this as a gift. And I wore it that next night to speak, and I knew I was going to wear it today, talking about passionately pursuing. And the pastor's wife came to me later, and she said, you know, Chris told me not to be upset when he saw that he gave you that shirt. She said, I gave him that shirt. That was his favorite shirt. And it really hit me. 
because Tony and Christy Swillam have ministered so powerfully to these people that are so hurting that just need to know there's hope. And, and man, I was so impacted and inspired, and we're actually orchestrating that they're going to bring a team of those people. This is in Springfield. They're going to bring a team of those people into a Sunday morning service, and they're going to rock your world. It's profound what God's doing in their lives. But I want to just point out something. You know, that picture you, you saw a few moments ago. In a moment, I'm going to put it back up, but not yet. I first want to explain something. Because when Tony and Christy were here, they had a six-year-old and a four-year-old, Stephen and Courtney. And the oldest boy, Stephen, now 20 years later, has gone through college, amazing athlete, was their worship leader, youth pastor, had such a tremendous impact in the community that when he suddenly lost his life, December the 20th of 2016, serving in the ministry of their church, the, the community actually erected a monument to him in the park. That's what an impact he'd had, not just in his church and family world, but in the community. He, this, this guy was a world-changing fanatic for Jesus. And I just have to tell you that he's driving onto the farm where they, where they do all this stuff, and his heart just stopped beating. There's no explanation. They couldn't figure it out. His younger brother, Dominic, was first on the scene next to the guy that was in the truck, and then Dad Tony was there, and they gave him CPR for 20 or 30 minutes until the medics arrived, and it was just too late. They couldn't do anything. And I'm telling you all of that because when you look at this picture and you see it with that perspective, I want you to look at that pastor's wife, the mother of a son who's now in the embrace of Jesus and no longer in her embrace. When I was standing there waiting to speak and I saw her leading worship and lifting her hand because I know the pain that they've walked through in this last year, it so impacted me. And if they hadn't endured, all those people that I just met would have not had the covering and the ministry and the invitation to go deeper. But they have fought their way through the most difficult thing that they have ever had to walk through as a family. And, and there's the younger brother on the drums and the baby sister on the guitar. And Tony and I are arm in arm on the front row, worshiping our God, declaring, there is nothing that will ever, ever be allowed to rob us of our passion. How about you? Come on, we have to be passionately pursuing everything that God wants us to passionately pursue. Come on, let's stand. They did not allow a very difficult situation to destroy their passion. How many of you know most of us in this room probably won't have situations of that magnitude that could truly destroy our passion? But all of us in this room Though some have had some scenarios that would parallel. All of us in this room, I want to make sure you're engaged in what God's wanting to reveal in this moment. It's a very important moment. All of us in this room, though it might not be an effort of the enemy to destroy our passion, I heard the Holy Spirit saying we need to address the effort of the enemy to distract 
our passion. It is too easy to live distracted lives, not entering into the supernatural strength that God wants us to have, carrying the power from heaven into the earth, declaring God's kingdom is here, God's kingdom is now. Jesus is alive. Our transformed lives are the expression that he has come, and we are a mobilized force to be contended with in the earth. Come on, let's agree. Let's agree. Passionately agree. Passionately declaring. We are people who passionately pursue our God Almighty. Lord, we recognize that you are calling us to more than to just casually fit you in and fit your plans in when it is convenient for our lives. You are calling us to be trained and equipped and mentored and empowered and impacted so that people who are truly broken everywhere in the world will encounter a healthy church that understands the power of God in such a way that an embrace reaches deep into the soul of humanity, that words go into a person's life to create something of substance from heaven in the earth. You are a God that wants to reach into us and through us and release something of power and anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage in the earth. Father, help us to learn how to respond on that level every single moment of every hour of every day that we live for the rest of our lives. God, awaken that within us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. There's been a plowing of the soil today and a sowing of the seed today, but we receive it deep in our lives, God, deep in our soul. There would be a seed sown today that would awaken a passion that is beyond our comprehension in the name of Jesus.